Hello, welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. I hope you enjoy the show wherever you are. Thanks for listening. I've made a show specifically for Canadians, by which I mean most of us have probably listened to shows such as the most famous Coast to Coast AM and now literally countless other podcasts that also discuss the supernatural. But how many of the stories are about Canadians? I want to make the place for people across Canada to share their true stories of the supernatural. In this episode, you'll hear a bunch of stories from Henry, who will share experiences from his trip in New Orleans, and a sad but exceptional story about the loss of a friend and psychic attempts to warn him. You'll also hear a story from my friend Dave about a sort of warning or countdown. Gigi from Montreal returns again with a story about the Hat Man. A lot of return storytellers in this episode. You can hear Sarah's true stories in the ESP episodes and others. The final story of this episode will be a haunting tale from her. First, Henry discussed cold spots and then started into a longer story. Has anyone ever talked on your podcast about cold spots? Yes. Okay, cool. I'll tell you my experience of cold spots. My friend who lives in Toronto many years ago, almost every time when I was over there, he would always would have cold spots, but it would only be one spot in the room. And I talked to my friend about it, and he goes, oh, yeah, that's normal. Apparently his house used to be crazy haunted, where literally there'd be, like, cold spots, like one area of a room. What I thought was interesting is my friend, when we felt this cold spot, sometimes he'll just actually talk as if there's, like, it's a person. He'll be like, ah, oh, shut up, or, you know, leave us alone. And the cold spot, within, like, two seconds, would just magically disappear. He was able to literally talk to it, and it would just disappear. Cold spots themselves are really interesting. If you think about it from a physics perspective, it's very strange. With thermodynamics, you can have these boundaries between hot and cold, but you couldn't have a persistent cold spot in a warm room, you know, it yeah. would it would dissolve. So anything that's persisting is doing something to create that cold in a way. And what is cold? Cold is atoms slowing down. And I haven't gone into that aspect of paranormal research myself because <laughs> one thing at a time. I went to New Orleans in 2012 as a business trip for a bunch of people. So there's a lot of voodoo that's practiced there for sure. The history of that came kind of part of the, um, the Creole culture, yeah. Yes, it's definitely real there. The thing that I found most interesting is I'm there and I go to this uh, restaurant. It was really hot that day and there's no air conditioner in this restaurant. And I just felt like there are certain areas when I was in New Orleans where I felt cold spots. I even said it out loud, even though they probably thought it was crazy to my colleagues. I said, you guys find a cold in here? I would just say it out of the blue. Back then, which was, you know, just six years after Katrina, ever since on the north side of the street could be perfectly fine. And on the south side of the street, it's like we're talking like totally like almost like 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 an A-bomb dropped on there because, you know, America screwed them over in help of cleaning up. It just would be areas where you just kind of felt like, at least when I did, and this is even during the day, it's a place where it, you, if you're really sensitive to spirits, I'm telling you, it's kind of, I don't know, I felt really creeped out about it. 
But there's a story that, that, that happened to me in New Orleans, which I find really interesting, which really got me into tarot. When I was growing up, you know, my, my brother and my friends did tarot readings and stuff like that. But it wasn't until, like I said, about 2012, I went to New Orleans and I got a professional psychic reading by someone in New Orleans just on the streets. I got the death card. Death doesn't always mean literal death. Death usually means change or it can be death and rebirth. But this is the one time where the psychic said they swore they were 100% dead. As they said to me, someone close to me is going to die. That's what they said. Typically, you're not supposed to say that when you're doing a reading. But this person felt so strongly about it. And I felt like someone close to me is going to die. And I don't know, maybe someone close to my family, right? You know, maybe like my mother. Or I was like freaked out. So I get back to Toronto. And then all of a sudden, maybe like a few months later, not even... Uh, my best friend passes away. Because you always think family is someone related to you, but some people say friends are like family. That didn't clue into it. So I spoke to one of my friends who was with me at the funeral, and we started talking about kind of our weird spiritual things. This person was with them, who also went to a psychic with this person who died just before he died, and never met the psychic, went in the room, and the psychic said to them, he said, you better cut out what you're doing or you're going you're gonna to die. And this is the psychic, it's out of the blue. So for, from this random psychic who I'd never met in New Orleans and this person that my friend met, which I believe, to nail that this person was going to die and tell them that it was going to happen. It was like really... That almost never happens. I know people who read tarot as well. And you never give concrete information that someone's going to die. This is why I want to share this. Just kind of fast forward a bit. The uh, psychotherapist, the CNE they have every year. Last year, the year before, I just went to go check it out just to see what was happening. And I left, and my brother went and had a reading. And my, my brother's a, a twin. I don't know if this relates or not as to what happened, but my brother gets a reading. He tells me this. This is what this person said to my brother. I won't disclose the person, my friend, who died, but his first letter started with a J. And so this person who did a reading for my brother said, I want you to pass on this message that there's someone, Jay, and he wanted to tell you the message not to feel bad for his death. And I did feel bad. He passed away the day that it was kind of supposed to be there because he went to some party or something and I wasn't able to make it. To pass on that, that is a specific message. Like, it's not like they could research or anything, especially because what I find interesting is the message wasn't meant for him. It was, it was meant for me. And someone, my brother said to the psychic, said, goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then she goes, oh, I think this message is meant for someone else. At my friend's funeral, um, I was a pallbearer, never done that before. As soon as we put the casket, when his body literally hit the ground, the coffin hit the ground, instantly it started to rain. So much that everybody left the graveyard. I, I just always stay with me. And it wasn't until literally a few days ago when I started to research it for the show that I found out that apparently it's supposed to symbolize good luck and that you that this person has passed on into heaven. Again, it's whatever you want to believe. I've never been to church or, you know, anything like that. The one thing that all of them do is kind of give you a hope that your actions have a greater significance because your soul continues on. Thank you 
for listening to Supernatural Stories, and thanks for telling your friends about the show. Don't let people tell you that the supernatural is all superstitious. If you've just stumbled into the show and are hearing these sort of stories for the first time, keep an open mind. Henry first got in touch with me when he saw a rain and hail-battered poster that was still hanging where I'd taped it up at a corner in downtown Toronto, King and Spadina. He contacted me with numerous stories, and I'm glad to share them this episode. This show will be available for free, like every episode. I'm not on a mission to sell something, but I am on this mission to spread these stories, make people aware of the reality that around them there are those who have experienced the paranormal, to provide a place for Canadians to share these experiences. If you want to support this mission, whether it's funding more postering or sponsored Facebook posts, where I also get most of the stories in this episode from, you can contribute a dollar or more per month to the Patreon page for Supernatural Stories, which is at www.patreon.com slash supernatural stories. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. For a limited time, anyone who pledges around $4 gets their own Supernatural Stories coffee mug. And as I said, I'm not selling anything, but I'm glad for the generosity of Molly Smith who made a pledge to the show and will be the first to get a mug. And thanks again for the support from ongoing patron John Mijakovsky. Now, back to more of Henry's stories that are giving me chills and goosebumps even in the middle of this July heat wave. After my friend passed away, I had an experience where, kind of like a dream, but I kind of felt like it wasn't a dream. I didn't see anything. All I felt was this really short, was my friend high-fiving me. And that was it. And that was just short, and I woke up. I got asked from the mother of the son that passed away to come by, and to, she said I could pick anything I wanted in this room I could have. And I honestly believe this. I'm not trying to be like, you know, Uh, look at me but I'm more the kind of person where I don't need an item to make me remember somebody it's the memory in my brain and so I don't know why but all the blue I was just there and I never got along with his mother she just never liked me I don't know what it was and ever since when he passed away she's totally changed different person and treats me like you know differently but uh, I don't know why I just felt the need to share the experience that I had about when I felt that it was him that he high-fived me and and so when I shared that experience with her, she all of a sudden put her hand to her mouth, like almost kind of like, aha. And she started to share her experience with me. And this is the first time I ever believed in God. I swear it's when you, when you, when you see someone's conviction in their face, that's when you know that it's real when they're not, you know, crazy. So what she shared with me was that she said that she had an experience where he visited her too. This is why I was going into how I find that when it's close to once they pass away that they can communicate to you easier. So she told me that he visited her in sort of like a dream. And what she was always worried about was to make sure that he went to heaven. And I, I didn't even get this till literally this now as I'm telling you this, is I find it interesting that I researched, you know, a few days ago about the significance of the rain. And so I feel like that's even a stronger maybe reason why maybe I'm on here, because I know that there's someone who's gonna listen to this. She believes that he literally went to heaven. And the way that she said it to me, it just, it didn't feel like, you know, preachiness. It just felt like an honest, like there's just something that day where I just felt like, you know what? I think there really is something up there. And ever since that day, like 
you know, I'm not perfect, but I really do believe to try to be the best person that you can because I really do think that we are judged and that we will dictate where are we going. I think it's making other people happy kind of fundamentally that makes you the happiest. Mm -hmm. And if you don't learn that whole point of doing good deeds, giving charity, etc., then how do you ever learn how to do that? And then how do you ever have a really happy life if you're just busy taking trips around the world by yourself kind of yeah. thing? You know what I mean? That's true. People's spiritual beliefs, they have to find it themselves. No matter what someone says, you know, that's how I find people can find, you know, God or whatever you want to believe in. If you don't feel it, then that's totally your choice too. I had my friend's funeral. Um, I was a pallbearer, never done that before. As soon as we put the casket, when his body literally hit the ground, the coffin hit the ground, instantly it started to rain. So much that everybody left the graveyard. I, I just always stay with me. And it wasn't until literally a few days ago when I started to research it for the show that I found out that apparently it's supposed to symbolize good luck and that, you've, that this person has passed on into heaven again it's whatever you want to believe i've never been to church or you know anything like that the one thing that all of them do is kind of give you a hope that your actions have a greater significance because your soul continues on this next storyteller dave is a very close friend of mine his story had a huge significance to him, and when we spoke about the podcast and he listened to the first episode, Supernatural Experiences Around Dying, he knew he needed to tell this next story. I think it was about 13. My family and I had gone to go visit our grandmother who was in her deathbed, and they were pretty sure that her time was coming, so we wanted all to get together to say our goodbyes. I went to say my goodbyes and I felt kind of awkward. I felt kind of like I was taking on this sense of like dread. I said my goodbye. I didn't really talk to my grandmother much, but like I said my goodbyes and she wasn't too coherent in the state she was in. I went downstairs after I said my goodbyes because my family was going to spend a long time saying their goodbyes and they were bawling their eyes out and I couldn't really stay in that same room. I uh, went downstairs and I basically sat on their porch. It was a nice sunny day and I just decided to close my eyes and try to drown out the sound of my mom's and my aunt's bawling about her death. And I was sitting down, it was about 3.30. I kind of dozed off, kind of just half closed my eyes. And this number, this like red number that you would see on a, a digital alarm clock flashed 4.37. And it just kept flashing 4.37. And for some reason, I felt like it meant something to me. After about half an hour more, my family decided to leave and uh, go home. It was nearing 4.37 and I really felt like it meant something so I, I asked my parents to check in and see what state she's in and she's alive and they, they did and, and she was still in, you know, stable but, you know, deteriorating condition. 
And I, I was pretty sure, okay, that was it then. Like, I, that number didn't mean anything. It wasn't really more of like a, a number that dictated when something was happening, but more of like a countdown. About 8.30ish, my family gets the call saying that she's passed, and she passed about like 20 minutes ago. And like from 3.30 to like 4 hours and 37 more minutes added on, it was about 8.15 or 8.17 should have been like when she passed and it was kind of correlating pretty heavily towards the same time frame and I just got this immediately heavy feeling of guilt as if I was the one that predicted or caused her to die then. I remember telling my mom that and they were trying to console me about it not being my fault, it was just her time. For some reason, I picked up some kind of uh, signal that was telling me how many more hours and minutes were left in her life. It weighed heavy on me. Well, one way of looking at it is that when we're dreaming, our conscious minds go to sleep and our unconscious minds take over. And our unconscious minds are actually more highly powered than our conscious mind. That dream is, is your unconscious mind's way of processing whatever that it knew, whatever information that it was taking in. So maybe it was just thinking about how she was going to die soon and knowing that there were all the signs of it there. Or maybe it was taking in some psychic information and either way your dreams are where your subconscious gives you all that information. It was basically raising an alarm in my head. It kind of felt as if this number was a way to prepare myself for it. If you'd like to get in touch to share one of your own supernatural stories on the show, the easiest way you can do that is on your computer or your phone, go to www.supernaturalstories.ca. It redirects to the Facebook page where you can send a message, tell your story, and then maybe record it to be on the show. You can always like and follow the page to see all the updates. This next storyteller, Gigi, well, I'll just let him tell his story. little reservation called Vomitville. There was a man that used to go around with a top hat and a black suit, and he used to go around the reserve and bringing people to death. If your uncle had passed away, he would be seen outside your uncle's house. But there was never a name for him. People referred him as the devil, but it's, it's not the devil, it's the spirit that helps other spirits go home. So I spoke to someone, one of my neighbors, and they saw a spirit that's a man with a tall hat. When she looked online, there were people who described the spirit as the hat man. Yes, that's the same one. People call him the Hat Man, but I think there's probably different names that people have. I can look into it for you, the reserve in the Indian way. And I think you'd get a lot of feedback from um, Native people with the same story. Earlier in the show, it was briefly mentioned how voodoo is a part of the Creole culture in New Orleans. 
Henry and I discussed it a bit more than you'll hear on the show because I've chosen to edit that out. First and foremost, this being a show about true stories, not conjecture and discussion. Every now and then I can't help but add a bit of theorizing in here, but I sort of try to keep my opinions out of the show and to minimize how many gaffes I'll make from discussing things I don't know about. Within Canada, we have many different religions, traditions, and ways of living through the death of a loved one. Canada is, after all, a place which is made up of many nations and peoples. When I spoke with Cheryl in a previous episode, I was amazed at some of the similarities between the Jewish traditions of sitting Shiva and her own native Canadian ways. Both groups cover the mirrors after a death, lest you see the reflection of a wandering spirit. Some groups have open caskets at funerals, others don't. Some bury the body, some scatter the ashes, some keep them in an urn or in another form. I bring this up again because of the next story, which can be heartwarming but also a little shocking at the end to me and might also be to you. If the subject of dying children is something that's going to overly upset and shock you, you might want to skip the next one, and that's why I've put it at the end of the episode. So thanks for listening. These last stories come from Sarah from Ottawa. In the house where I saw my grandma, my aunt lived there, and then they sold it to a man who sold it to a cousin of our family. When I was older, I went back and visited the home with my cousin, visited the family. Wasn't even in the driveway, and I'm like, dude, there's a child in this house. There's a little girl in this house. She's in the window. And my cousin was like, what? And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, there was three teenagers. I said, no, 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 there's a little girl here. So I wasn't even in the door. The younger of the teenager goes, do you know we have a ghost in the house? And I said, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And she's like, oh, you do? How do you know? I said, because she's standing right behind you. She's like, describe her to me. I'm like, she's a little girl. She has brown hair and she's throwing a fit right now. I was tormented the whole night that we had to leave the house. And I thought drinking alcohol would make it better, and it didn't. It was probably one of the worst 24 hours I've ever had, as far as the spirit is concerned. I can imagine that uh, when a child dies young, and it's going to cause them to be confused and to lash out as spirits. And I've been fortunate enough not to come across too many children. I mean, my daughter has gone through a little rough patch at the beginning of her first 10 months of her life. She had open heart surgery, she had lung surgery, and we were at the kids. We lived there for seven or eight weeks. We stayed at the Ronald McDonald house, and every time if their child died in the garden, they'd put a light on an actual fixture with a starlight on it. And if the light was on, that means somebody in the house, their child has died. Being around the families of the children have passed, it's quite remarkable. She was on life support because when they pulled her breathing tube, they paralyzed her vocal cords. She couldn't breathe on her own for 65 days. It was not fun. The week before my daughter and I flew back to Ottawa, six kids had died on her floor. There were other families that 
I don't know if it's an African thing. They took the hands and the feet of their child. Have you ever heard of that? Oh. Yeah. We were leaving, and they were leaving, and they had a box. And I just happened to glance over, and it had the hands and the feet of the child that had died. I was freaked right out. (laughs) That was really freaky. I'm so surprised that the hospital would do that. I'm going to say a hand to God. I was a little disturbed. You know what? We all have kind of different things that we do with the dead. And, you know, they probably, you know, they don't make sense unless you you know the cultural reason behind it. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories, and thanks for telling your friends about the show and supporting A Place for the Supernatural. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum. These have all been real stories from real people across Canada. Music featured in this show was by The Goner with Oak Creek, Boris Brendan with Phantom Limb, Mon Plazer with Staring at the Void Between Me and the Wall, Trez Trista Tangos with Colder and Polka, Arthur Collins and Byron Harlan with On My Way to New Orleans, Nettle with Black Eyes, the rest I composed. If you want to contribute a buck or more towards the production of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash supernatural stories. If you have a story of your own you can contribute, you can do that at supernaturalstories.ca. Till next time.